Hi, I'm Isabella. And I'm Jeff. We're two Asian Australians who want to explore what it means to be Asian in the West. And you're listening to As I Am. new space welcome to the new space I think. <laughs> um it actually feels odd but quite nice to like speak about and do this in person <laughs> it's so weird i think we've only done two episodes the whole time that we've done as i am which has been three years now two years no it's three years oh my god yeah it's 2020 cool. that's it's gone by so quickly i'm blonde now by the way yeah but this is probably yeah. the last time i'm gonna send me blonde for a little bit i'm gonna <laughs> shave this off but uh this is a little summer thing you know between yeah. jobs new year new me but oh, um, yeah, no, it's good. Well, yeah, this is this is the setup is tricky, but we think it looks quite nice. Um, yes, any feedback is welcome though. Yeah, if any angles you want to see, yeah, any perspectives you want to see. Let's yeah, know. we're trying to up the production quality <laughs> this year. I think. Um, so a little bit of an update for everyone at home. I quit my job at the end of last year. Took a break. Started a new one this year. Isabella starting her new job in a few weeks? In two days. It, oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> in two days. So it's going to be quite busy um, for us. So I think for this year, we're probably going to pull back to an episode a month. But with that extra time, we thought let's invest it in production quality, get some awesome guests on, bring them to the space, and then we can, yeah, make some better content. Yes, for sure. A lot of bloopers. A lot of bloopers. No, and that's great content. So we'll roll with that. And honestly, to start off, I think I've been so lucky to have had the time to finish law school last year and take some time off to travel. And part of that traveling experience kind of led me to reflect a lot on my identity, especially going back to Vietnam, which is, you know, the country where my parents are from. Um, and it really prompted me to kind of think about motherland and questions of identity and connection to country, which is why I think we really want to start off the year by talking about motherland mm-hmm. and specifically. I guess the expectations and pressures we feel mm. as children of diaspora communities to have that connection to motherland and what mm. it means to feel connected to your motherland and whether it's important to feel connected to motherland. So let's start off by talking about that. I mean, what do you think about when you think about motherland? Like, does that word bring anything to mind? What yeah. do you think it means? Yeah, I'll be completely honest. I feel like I use the term more in like a joking sense mm. a lot of the time, mm. um, sort of like this is how we do it back in the motherland kind of thing. It's it's not like a truly I have this like connection to the country where it's like we're literally, you know, I guess literally in a sense it is where my mother's from, mm. but in the sense that it's not this formalized relationship that I have with the country. Yeah. So, but I guess when I think about the term, it's, you know, where my culture comes from mm. is sort of what I think about motherland. It's mm. those experiences that have informed my life and I guess the place where, a lot of my experiences have been derived from, obviously in an altered sense, but that's sort of what I think about. And, and for me, obviously, that's that's China. China is the motherland. If you're listening to this, Xi Jinping, um, <laughs> shout out to you. But uh, yeah, that's what motherland means to me. What yeah. about you? Yeah, I, I think similarly. I was grappling with this question, actually, because I was thinking about, do I kind of have the right to think of motherland as Vietnam 
the country my parents are from mm. just because you know when you look at definitions of motherland it kind of generally means countries where you're from mm-hmm. or where you're born or where you originate from but you know doing further research into this i think there's actually a lot more nuance in the term motherland and one that i found which i think resonates with me personally and perhaps with you too is from the Collins dictionary and it talks about <laughs> motherland as the country in which you or your ancestors were born and to which you still feel emotionally linked even if you live somewhere else so that to me mm. is vietnam and way cleaner than what I said. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we like the duality of perspectives. Um, you know, I'm keen to ask you about your desire to go back to China mm. or to go to China, or if you've been to China, in that sense where you kind of want to connect to your motherland. Mm. But I was really lucky to visit Vietnam for the first time without my family. And I was honestly a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, I was quite excited, but at the same time, I think for me, you know, I've always traveled to Vietnam with my family. And I've always thought of them as almost this bridge to my culture, my people. Mm-hmm. And I was a bit nervous about whether or not I'd be able to feel connected to my people, to my culture without them almost as a crutch. Mm. And surprisingly, it was amazing. Like I surprised myself in how connected I felt with the people. And I think that's something that I've found quite special. Mm-hmm. Have you had the chance to, I mean, do you want to go to China? And have you had that opportunity to go without your family? Because I think that's a really big thing when it comes to feeling connected to this sense of motherland with your country. Yeah, for sure. Um, I haven't been back to China since 20, I want to say 2011. So I think I was 15 at the time. So it's coming on 12 years now that I haven't been back. But prior to that, I used to go back every single year to visit family, whether it was my mom's side or my dad's side. One time I went with school for an orchestra tour. (laughs) Nice. But other than that, it's always been with family. And at the time when you're younger, it feels like a bit of an obligation. I think during school holidays, everyone else is like having fun Mm. and you're just like being quote unquote forced to go back to China and meet random relatives that you haven't seen before. And then find out that you're just an uncle to about like four young children, just based on how many siblings someone in your family tree has had. It's an interesting experience when you're younger because you kind well for me at least i kind of enjoyed it but it kind of did feel like a chore Mm. um in some sense and i haven't been back since because i think after that i was like i still want to travel to other places and since then i think i've traveled to like 30 countries Mm. prior to going back to china but now that i'm much older and i think through this experience of doing as i am i'd really just love to do that just as a holiday. Yeah. Um, my partner and I just actually explore China yeah. beyond where our parents are from. Yeah. Um, and there is this nervousness, right? Because, yes, we can both speak Chinese, but it's kind of different. Yes, I totally It's It's completely that. different. It's like someone who can speak English, but you don't understand all the slang. Yeah. And it's all these like small mannerisms or like how they like shorten sentences yeah. Yeah. and all that sort of stuff. That makes me a bit nervous. I mean, even now... Sometimes when I like make reservations for restaurants or I'm like ordering, I really have to like psych myself up. <laughs> I know I can say it, but it's like innately. Yeah. I don't want to fuck it up because I don't want them to look at me and be like, man, look at this guy. Like you just added yourself. What yeah. a disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> Can't even order in his mother tongue. So there is that sense yeah, of it. Of and it's like I, I know the, the moment you go back, you're like instantly sort of like spotted as oh we know you're chinese or we know you're vietnamese but you're not from here yes 100 kind of kind of vibe which is which is a really strange feeling so long way to go back to your question is 100 percent yes but there will be some nervousness about it but i think that's that's part of the experience right yeah and it's such a cliche though because i feel like this is something that i think so many people you know especially asian 
kids or just kids who have parents not from Australia and that experience of feeling othered both in Australia and also in their motherland. Mm -hmm. Because, yeah, like even in Vietnam, like I think I was surprised by how comfortable I felt Mm -hmm. speaking Vietnamese and feeling like amongst the people, but equally like knowing that I'm always going to be othered as well because Mm -hmm. I'm not truly Vietnamese. We even have a Vietnamese term for it. It's called Viet Gil and it literally means overseas Vietnamese. Like Mm -hmm. I'm not angry Viet, like a Vietnamese person. I'm Viet Gil. Uh, another Vietnamese yeah um so yeah it's interesting we kind of really feel completely part of the community in that Mm. respect but at the same time there's that tension where you truly are from that place and Mm. you have you know shared cultures shared language and I don't know I I think that's an interesting tension that I don't think ever will disappear it probably won't yeah it probably won't Um, I actually don't know if we have a Chinese term for it I know Koreans have a term for it it's called like gyopo Mm. Or something it's like a foreign-born Korean. Mm. Um, if there is a Chinese word, I would love to know it. So yeah. let, let us know if you do that. But yeah. I guess like prior to this visit, how often did you go back? Like was it like a forced obligation that you had to go back with family? Yeah, no, yeah. in a sense, yes. In this because we had family or just you know close relatives, so like grandparents mm. in Vietnam. And I'd been to Vietnam ever since I was one every year. Mm. So every year since I was one years old. So I did feel like every time we went back there, it was like, oh, it's just to see family. It's mm-hmm. to do this, to that. It's not like a holiday. It doesn't feel like it's a holiday. It's not a holiday. It's not it, a holiday. It is, but it doesn't yes, feel like correct, one. Yeah, correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But th- that's the thing. I feel like the older I've gotten, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I, I feel like there's a sense where as children of the diaspora, we feel like we have to have this task of constantly acquainting and reacquainting ourselves mm. with our cultural identity and that manifests in many ways like even through language school you know yeah. um this need to kind of feel obligated to maintain that connection to the motherland to your culture do you feel that sense of obligation or like that pressure to go back yeah is, is that even problematic saying that term to go back to go back yeah because yeah. like because like are you going back or is it we're not really going? going back we're, we're just, just going, going yeah you know? it's, 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 yeah. It's, it's a good distinction to yeah make. i do very much feel that obligation i think one of the big things that's sort of been looming over my head is my grandparents want to make one last trip back to to china because they've been away for so long and they're both quite old at the moment so they want to go back like one last time and i do want to go with them on that visit and i think it'll be kind of like a bittersweet thing because i think so many of my experiences going to china was with them or visiting them before they came to australia um, and having them sort of show me around so there is this like invisible pressure to like maintain that connection even though potentially family members don't go back as much or you lose family members like people who are a bridge to that place whether it's like literally a physical location like you have some place to stay or it's like that local knowledge that you obviously lack because you are Chinese or you are Vietnamese or you are Asian or whoever but you don't actually know the place You're, you're literally a tourist right yeah um so yeah, it's an interesting one. I do really want to go back and I've been saying it for probably just a bit too long, mm. like without doing anything. But morally, it feels like I should go back. Yeah. I don't, But I don't know where that comes from. <laughs> morally, yeah? Yeah. I feel like there's definitely like a sense of familial obligation. Mm. I think I would feel like I'd be disrespecting my parents and my yeah, family. Yeah, kind of falls into those obligations, doesn't it? Negated like that culture or yeah, that yeah, uh, yeah. part of my identity. I mean... That turns on an interesting question because do you think that it's important to feel connected to your motherland? Because I have so many friends who, you know, are Vietnamese, are Chinese Mm. or, you know, from different backgrounds who can't actually speak the language that their parents can speak. Mm -hmm. And is that a good or bad thing? Was that just something that just is and, you know? Yeah. 
I don't know, like, is it important to be connected? Uh, this comes back to that, like, thing where the statement of calling someone, like, a bad Asian. Yeah. Yes, yes, right? yes. Such a good one. It's yes, like a... For sure. I think I used to kind of spam that term a little bit, unfortunately. Mm. And then now the older I get, it's like, it's kind of it's kind of not fair in some ways. Yeah. Because maybe, you know, your parents came to Australia and they wanted to assimilate more. So there is this pattern I've seen in i guess friends who are asian but can't necessarily speak their mother tongue is a lot of the times their parents english is much better because they've had that practice it's like at home we speak english rather than what we speak i guess culturally yeah so yeah kind of like for me it like falls into that bucket of like do you need to do it to be like a good asian Mm. and like is that does that thing still exist because i think it doesn't need to necessarily be language. It can be like just understanding the culture and interacting with like the elements of it, whether it's the celebrations or whether it's the yeah, food or whether sure. it's the content and like, you know, you watch your K-dramas or whatever it is. Side note, have you watched Physical 100? Oh, wait, is this the the, the contest where you have to oh my push God. yourself to I'll, the limit? It's, it's crazy. It's wild. Korean content right now, fire. Like absolutely <laughs> I fire. I have that Sorry, what was your question? <laughs> no, no, no. I know. I think we just like was talking about like whether it's important to be connected. And I think there's an interesting concept there of good slash, mm. slash bad Asian. It makes me wonder because like I'm thinking about like if we have children, right? Yeah. And I feel like a sense of I need for them to be able to speak Vietnamese. Otherwise, I feel like I'm losing that culture, that part of my identity or part of that familial identity. But equally, you're right. Like it's not fair to kind of label someone as like a bad Asian because a lot of the time, if they can't, let's say, speak a language, often that's circumstantial and it's not that yeah. easy, you know? Yeah. I think these thresholds will change um, yeah. and these things will change yeah. as, like, generations move on because our kids are realistically not going to have the same expectations that were put on us. Yeah. Like, I don't think, even if I wanted to, I don't think I could enforce them to the same extent mm. because in that experience being ours, we sort of push back on it mm. and we consciously or subconsciously identified the elements that we liked or Mm. we did not like Mm. and i think through that process what we pass on is ultimately going to be the things that we experienced and probably enjoyed and felt were important Mm. um so i guess in some elements like if traveling back to the motherland was something that was important to you you'll probably do that but in a kind of sad way you won't necessarily unlikely to be able to provide the same level of experience that your family gave to you because you are ultimately kind of a tourist right yes oh and that was actually quite sobering to almost kind of have that moment where I'm like oh my god if I ever have children and I'd want to take them to Vietnam like I'd basically be giving them the experience that I got as a kid but even then it's like secondhand that makes sense yeah yeah. there's this you know for example this is particular like food cart on this particular street on this particular corner of the city that I used to go to as a kid and it was so emotional actually kind of going back there oh it's cute oh like (laughs) I ate this bread and I was crying to Will and I was like oh my god it tastes so good yeah did it taste Um, as good as you remembered oh so good but you know that was such an indelible part of my memory because I had that experience with my family growing Mm. up like in Vietnam like you know on our holidays but like I don't know necessarily if I you know, that's something I'd do with my child. Yeah, say. yeah, exactly. So I don't know, there's a sense of loss as well. There is there is you know? a little bit, yeah. You can't you can't replicate that exact experience. But yeah. at the same time, you can view it as an opportunity to like create something new. Yes. Um, yeah, in a way, true. it's like, yes, you might be tourists together, but like what you're still creating is a memory of mm. your motherland. It might not be as 
I don't want to say the word authentic. I think it may not reflect your own experiences, mm. um, but what you're creating is something that's authentically for you and your family once you take them back. And I think if you put yourself in the shoes of your children who are yet to be born, that's going to be an authentic experience for them of the motherland yeah, and that's, that's still true. going to stick with them. And maybe that cycle continues. Obviously, it's going to be different, but I think maybe the lasting impact that it has will still be there it will still be good and they will also start a podcast and talk about it as we are <laughs> as we are well Could you said, imagine? Well said, well so, said. Oh, <laughs> so like what was it like growing up with parents from here like what <laughs> was it like parents? growing up with parents who podcasted that's so funny oh my god Ugh. um so i think another anecdote that i'd love to share when it comes to kind of connection to motherland that I'd be keen to your thoughts on relation to China. It's just the perspective you adopt when you travel to that country or to your country, almost as a tourist, but also someone with insight into local culture. Mm. So what I mean by that is, you know, Vietnam War, for example, such a huge part of the Vietnamese history. And for a bit of context, a lot of Vietnamese refugees and migrants in Australia who came after the Vietnam War um, were mostly those from the South. So within the conflict of the Vietnam War, it was North versus South, essentially. A lot of the Southerners came to Australia. So that was kind of my family history. And like growing up in that context, I had a pretty, not one-sided view, but mm. a pretty biased view on like the war and like the outcomes and effects it's had on on my family and people in our community. So it was really interesting going to Vietnam and seeing like a revisionist history of that, or at least a history mm. that's been written by the victors, which has been the northerners if that makes sense mm -hmm. and i guess from their perspective it's you know the north won the war they unified the country and communism is amazing and yada 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 whereas from my perspective or at least you know from how my family has kind of taught me or at least how i've learned it it's the opposite it's kind of displacement the displacement of vietnamese communities mm -hmm. so i don't know I, I thought that was quite interesting going in from that Western perspective, mm. or not even Western perspective, but that perspective where you have that familial story mm. clashing with the official version. Mm. But I don't know, this is a little bit sensitive because I think uh, Vietnamese politics is a pretty sensitive topic. Mm. Do you have any thoughts on yeah, no, for, yeah, like no, for sure. that perspective? Because it's like um, my grandparents were alive during the Cultural Revolution. Yeah, right. And obviously Mao's party won. And then one thing that happened was after Chiang Kai-shek fled to Taiwan, Mao burnt a lot of books and historical texts and things that had to do with traditional Chinese culture. And these are the things that whilst, you know, my grandparents lived through a period where they had the before and the after, they still truly believe it was like the right thing for them. Yeah, right. And it, it is this weird dynamic where once you start learning more about history after being told certain stories you have this like almost double take or you have this yeah because history a lot of the time is like they talk about history is like told in the eyes of the victor right of course, yeah and so you have to get this perspective from your grandparents who lived through it yeah but then you get the historical context and and the facts from because I did Asian studies at university so a lot of these were taught talk to me by my professors so I like sit there and you're like I don't know how to absorb this yeah. information because yeah. you feel really torn Yeah. because on the yeah. one hand, one experience is your family. And then on the other hand, one experience was like all this shit. That... 100%. And you're, you just don't know how to absorb and like reconcile that information. Yeah, absolutely. So I know what you mean. 
an old yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. Because like uh, one particular example was, um, you know, in the context of the Vietnam War, the Americans were often seen as like the the imperialist invasion. Like, mm. What's the invaders? Invasionists. <laughs> imperialist, imperialist invaders. And, you know, the Vietnamese people were able to successfully kick them out, yada, yada, yada. Dude, when you, I, I think I saw you go to um, the traps and the tunnels and stuff. Yeah. Wild. 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 So wild. So wild. I, I, yeah. Yeah. I was like, damn, the Viet Cong did. I know. Like, the, the, smart, the memes you know? are great. Yeah. The memes are great. But, anyways, that was like what I read in these museums and like what I, you know, saw kind of when it comes to like, the brutalities that the Americans did kind of commit against prisoners of war, yada, yada, yada. But then reconciling that with my family history of, no, the Americans are the good guys. Like they, you know, tried to bring in the system mm. of democracy, of this, this and that. So it actually made me like double take and take a second glance at, you know, are my family right? Like mm. are the Americans actually the good ones in the situation? Because if you look at it historically, yeah, I guess they were imperialists, right? Like, I guess this was a proxy war for them. And mm. I mean, there's a whole can of worms there. But my point is, I think I completely agree with you in the sense that there's this double take you almost do where you try to kind of balance your family history with history. Yeah, yeah. It, it's balancing the two perspectives. And yeah. it's like, I think a couple of times I've tried to argue and it's just like, you just can't win. No. And it's like, to some extent, you almost don't want to. No. Um, because in some ways you're kind of... You're basically saying their experiences aren't valid exactly. in some ways yeah. because this is what they believe. This is yes. what they lived through, yeah. um, whether they believe it out of like a traumatic experience or what they were sort of being told and taught. I don't think it's necessarily right to try to correct that. Yeah. And I think one thing that's quite funny and quite, I guess, timely at the moment is when I was a kid, my parents used and my grandparents used to ask, always ask me, if China and Australia went to war, <laughs> who would you side with? <laughs> And, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot because really with the way the world is going, could happen sometime soon. And you know what I would always say as a kid? Uh, whoever's winning. Oh, great answer. That's a great answer. Whoever's winning. Because <laughs> I don't feel particularly tied to either side. Sorry. I see what your loyalties are. Just, that's great. That's great. That's great. I love that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was my answer. Yeah. Uh, but, no, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's... It's a, it's a really tough one to, yeah, to, yeah. to reconcile. And I think when you're in the country as well, I think, have you watched that episode of um, Parts Unknown? It's like Anthony Bourdain's mm. show. And he goes to Vietnam. I think he's in Hanoi. I think mm. it's the Hanoi episode. It was when Barack Obama visited mm, mm-hmm. Vietnam. And it was like the first time an American president had visited Vietnam after the Vietnam War. Wow. And it was just like the celebration, like the welcome yeah. was insane. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. really, really really insane so i think yeah that kind of lines up with i guess your family's experiences and like viewing the americans Mm. as like the people who brought Mm. peace and brought what else did they bring i think it was more just like the values that the americans kind of brought or tried to bring to to vietnam but you know but i I was speaking to like because you know i did a very touristy thing in vietnam i actually went on a tour guide because i was like i want to go to hue and i want to like yeah. Go the tour guide. Why not? Because, um, you know, often when you visit, like, your country. Oh, sorry, the motherland. You yeah. Don't, you don't go on touristy or do touristy things. I went on heaps of tours yeah. in China. Oh, really? Yeah. We never did that. We just visited family, you know? Yeah, fair. fair Anyways. Yeah. And then I was asking um, our tour guides, like, you know, obviously there's been such a complicated relationship mm. between Vietnam and so many 
countries in its history. You've had the French, you've had the Chinese, you've had the Americans. Like, what are their perspectives? Like, what are the local Vietnamese perspectives yeah, on, these people, sure. on, the, yeah. on these kinds of communities and people? And her answer was interesting. She was like, you know, you don't forget history. Like, I think history is yeah. kind of written in our bones. But you, you kind of treat people as that people should be treated but you do have that like acknowledgement that like oh yeah there was that history between mm. the french and us the chinese and us yeah and you kind of take that forward in a way that is respectful but yeah there is still that animosity there i think towards particular cultures yeah which is interesting yeah well i mean like my grandparents still hate the japanese right yeah um that is like they literally refuse to eat japanese food it's like it's kind of that bad so I think growing up, that was also kind of a weird thing because I would be say like, Japanese food is my favorite. And yeah. my grandparents would say, sit down, let me tell you about yeah. the history. And so like they would tell a 12-year-old kid about like the raping of Nanking yeah. right? and stuff like that. And I was just like, okay. Yeah. So oh, it's, it's, yeah, it's, a, it's a really tough one. Yeah. But um, I think, you know, I want to kind of end this episode on a, on a happier note. What was your favorite thing that you ate in Vietnam? Oh, honestly, I think it was probably like the food I was talking about and the food. What was it? Ban mi ga. So it's ban mi, but yeah. in a, not the like classic baguette version, like a yeah. much smaller version. Okay. Inside is chicken floss, butter, mm. pickled vegetables. Yeah. And it's like daikon and carrot. Yeah. yeah. And like cucumber. And that's it. That's great. And that's it. And the vendor, because I, I messaged my mum and I was like, where is that vendor? Like, because it's not, obviously there are no like street signs. It's not, it's not an actual yeah, store. It's like yeah, a yeah. cart on a, on a very particular intersection in the Nang, which is like the city in Vietnam. And she was like, it's this intersection, this intersection. Mm. We came and the guy was still there. And I was like to him, oh, you know, like my mum's to take me here. And yeah. he was like, yeah, we've been here for like 40 years. That's crazy. Like, That's insane. And that to me was like, oh, such a memorable meal because, mm. you know, of that history, of that yeah. nostalgia. And I think nostalgia really does make food taste so much better. Oh, for you sure. Know? It's the memory sure. tied with it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I give I give my partner Zoe so much shit for really liking um, Easy Mac. <laughs> but for her, it's the exact same thing. It's yeah. just like taste of nostalgia and childhood. And I think everyone has those sort of like weird things that they yes. always want to eat. Yeah. Um, What's yours? Mine was, well, there's two. So one is, and I need, I always say I'm going to make this. Um, and I never end up doing it. But mum used to make me this weird pasta. It's quite like, it's not a traditional food by any means, but it's quite Hong Kong in character. Mm. Um, so it was fusilli pasta mm. with canned tuna and fish balls. Ooh. So, any sauce? I don't think so. Just like oil? Like I think it's like just the oil from the tuna. Oh, my but, God. And then I think that. there was spring onions in there. It was that. that, and then there was like this pork and ginger soup that my grandma used to make for me. Mm. That I always think about. But the the bite of food that, uh, and I just literally swallowed saliva. Um, <laughs> that I really want to eat again, and I just don't know if um, that guy's still alive. But there's a tradition in the south of China and Hong Kong about making noodles, specifically like wonton noodles, like the egg noodles, and they knead the dough by like bouncing on a pole. So it's like they make this massive pile of dough. They like lay it out on this table. They stick a pole underneath like a wedge and the guy literally just bounces on it. Oh, my God. I love that. He like sits on it like between his legs and he just bounces across (laughs) it. And I just remember I think I was 13 at the time and going to this like wonton noodle place and they had the soup 
which was amazing. Like now that I know what goes into it, like I, that taste is even more like vivid to me. Mm. It's like these handmade noodles, like amazing wontons and then like dried shrimp roe on the top. Mm. And yeah, that's like the one thing I'd like to eat if I go back. And there's also this like, oh, it's like a yellow chive. It's, it's quite hard to get in Australia that goes on the top. It's kind of like garlic chives, um, but a bit stronger. But yeah, that's the thing. I would want to eat. I love that. I also just love how we always end up talking about food. I mean, it's just like... It's, it always, it's, it's a bit of everything. It well, yeah. Everything. I haven't... Like, you and I haven't actually talked much about, like, what you ate back there. So, I just want to... No. No. It's a great question. It's I just important wanna, question. I want to know. No. Important question. It was amazing. I want to yeah, know. It was amazing. Um, so, yeah. I think... Well, let's wrap it up there. First episode of the year. Sorry it's taken this long <laughs> for us to record this. It's just been a hectic start to the year. But it's a new space. It's hot as shit in here. Because um, we don't turn the aircon on on the weekends. <laughs> I'm not going to say where we are, just out of liability reasons. Um, we are not using the space illegally. That's all no, I need to tell you. No. Uh, but yeah, let us know what you think of the setup. Um, let us know what you think of the sound and the quality. Let us know how you like this format. And uh, yeah, we're keen to we're keen to make some more content like yes. in this much nicer space. So if you enjoyed the episode, uh, give us five stars wherever you get your podcasts, and we'll see you guys in the next one. Bye.